Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Dr. E.J. McKenzie on Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Dr. E.J. McKenzie with the Master Key. Today is a day that is set aside to discuss and to communicate and dialogue about relationships. Relationship is the premium of life. Relationship is probably one of the most difficult things to, to establish from a biblical perspective uh, because of the Adamic nature. Um, I've been in ministry uh, for about 30, over 35 years, uh, close to 35 over, haven't counted it, and uh, it's amazing to see uh, how we struggle in the areas of relationships. And we want to talk about something today, I kind of shared last night, I want to kind of con- carry over from last night to today, but bring it in the perspective of uh, relationships. Isn't it amazing that God makes, Jesus makes a very simple statement but have we found anybody to execute it? Matthew 18 says, If any two agree on earth as touching anything they shall ask, it shall. It did not say it might. It said, it shall be done for them of the Father which is in heaven. Just only two. Not 2,000. Not 200,000. Not 200 million. Not 200 billion. Not 200 trillion. Just two. Then that means then, if we don't see a great move of God in our lives, in our homes, in our churches, in our communities, our cities, our states, our nation, then that means God have not found anybody that can live in agreement because we have not seen a great move from heaven to earth. We see things happening. So what is the greatest enemy of relationships? I used to say the devil. But the Lord dealt with me yesterday morning, and I'm convinced without a shadow of a doubt, especially as he began to take me back over some of the uh, the series that we started on, the ma- on not the Master Key, but uh, in our Bible study, The Anatomy of Man. One of the most scariest things to me 
and, and, and it, it, it's, it's really fascinated me is to see uh, people sit up under the Word, even teach and preach the Word, uh, even flow in the gifts of the Spirit, quote scriptures, and don't even believe in God. It is absolutely frightening because what do that what that reveals is we are really deluded and deceived and really think that we're going to make it because I have made a statement of faith I received Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior but there's no fruit of salvation scary and we believe that we can hide under the guise of Christianity. We 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 segregate the scriptures. We take portions that makes us feel good, but we refuse to live them. Let's look at something in some practical things when it comes down to relationships. Let's look at some practical things. First of all, forget about your marriage. Forget about you and your children. Forget about you and your church. Let's start with the ultimate relationship. Because this is where the downfall comes. The relationship with God. What do you think is the greatest sin? What do you think is the thing that blocks our relationship with God probably more than anything? What the scripture says in, in uh, John chapter 3 is that if we don't believe we're damned already. Okay. We're down already if we don't believe. What calls me not to believe? What is the greatest thing that causes me not to believe in God? Is it Satan? Is it principalities and powers? Is it demon demonic forces? What is the thing that calls me not to believe in God? or the greatest enemy of my relationship with God. Myself. Myself is the greatest enemy. Myself is the greatest enemy of my relationship with God. Myself is the greatest enemy of my relationship with my uh, spouse. Myself is the greatest enemy of my relationship with my children. Myself is the greatest enemy with any human being because it starts with God first. I could never have a successful relationship with God as long as I love me more than I love God. I can never have a successful relationship with any human being as long as I love me more than I love God. Me. Me is the greatest enemy. Me. Me. Me is the greatest enemy. The very thing that we try to protect is the very thing that destroys our relationship with God. 
I try to protect me. What was the thing that got Satan kicked out of heaven? It's the very thing we, I, I talk to people, they even know they're challenged with it and do nothing about it. Pride. Pride has got what Satan kicked out of heaven. What would it mean to be kicked out of a relationship? If pride caused Satan to get kicked out of heaven, pride will block my relationship with God. Pride will block my relationship with my spouse. Pride will block my relationship with my children. Pride will block my relationship with my man of God. Pride will block my relationship with my spiritual children. Pride is the greatest enemy of all relationships. Why is that? Because pride focuses on self. The thing that God said must go to the cross. It's the very thing that we refuse to take to the cross. God help us. Let's look at some things, some principles. I shared some principles last night. Uh, that was from a series that we did on the anatomy man, characteristics of carnality. Uh, you need to get that, and whether you do don't, that's between you and God. But that's the that's probably one of the problems. We really think we know, and we really don't. I want to read a scripture to you uh, concerning this great enemy of relationships. Is it possible that? Two people can be born again, but yet unequally yoked. The Bible says, be uh, not unequally yoked. Then it said with unbelievers. So let me ask you a question. Is it possible to be selfish and carnal and believe in God? Impossible. Because that's the enemy of God. The Bible says a carnal mind is a, is enmity against God. So it is impossible then. It's impossible. So so being equally yoked have nothing to do with making a statement of salvation. How many people do you know that say, say that they say but bear the fruit of the satanic and de, uh, demonic nature? So many. So you can be, you can confess to be born again, but yet unequally yoked. I, I'm saved. So watch this right here. So if, just say, I am carnal, my spouse is spiritual, will there be problems? Absolutely. Because the one that is spiritual is the one that has allowed the Holy Spirit to take them to the cross and they live for Christ. The one that is carnal live for themselves. The one that is carnal, Satan have access to them. The one that is spiritual, God has had access to them. So the one that is carnal going to see life from a certain perspective. The one that is spiritual is going to see life from a certain perspective. Most likely, the one that is carnal is a taker. The one that is spiritual is a giver. And when I say giver, I'm not talking about uh, money. I'm talking about oneself. If you 
if you're carnal, you're not going to give yourself to God. You're going to be the controlling factor of your life. God is not. The Holy Spirit is not going to be the controlling factor. A carnal person, it is very difficult for them to trust God. A spiritual person trusts God. Why? Because a carnal person do not know God, but a spiritual person do know God or have a knowledge of God, not to my intellectual, have encountered, have experienced God. The carnal person has never experienced God. That is why there's so much frustration in the majority of our marriages. We go to church, we find a spouse in church, but we don't realize many times the spouse that we find in church is really not saved. They go to church, but they're really not saved. They have not encountered Jesus. They have not experienced Jesus. But because they go to the same church, they sing in the choir, uh, uh, um, they quote scripture, we believe that they're saved. So we don't, we don't have any kind of standards or any kind of th- anything to measure the relationship by, uh, their relationship by, we just married them because they sound good, look good. And the moment you marry them, you begin to experience hell on earth. And always understand this right here, ladies and gentlemen. Whatever you did to get them, you have to continue to do to keep them. Why did the person you married marry you? Talk to the men. Why did your spouse marry you? Why did you marry that young lady? What was the thing that caused you to marry them? What was the thing that caused her to marry you? Did you see spiritual characteristics and attributes in them? Did they see spiritual characteristics and attributes in you? I forgot what the statistics uh, was um, a few years ago. I know the divorce rate in the church as well as in the world, I think it was neck and neck at that time, 50%. I don't know where it's located now. I don't haven't looked at any statistics lately. Why do people get a divorce? Why do... Christians get a divorce. How many Christians, when they get married, and they begin to look after a while and say, I missed God. I missed God. That person is not what you thought they was going to be. They are not as spiritual as you thought they would be, or you thought they was. And now you're experiencing hell on earth. How is it that you want your spouse to trust you when your spouse don't trust God? Think about it. If your spouse don't trust God, it's impossible for your spouse to trust you. It's almost like if you want your spouse to trust you, knowing your spouse don't trust God, what you really say I want my spouse to see me greater than God. Because it's impossible for your spouse to trust you if your spouse don't trust God. 
It's impossible for your spouse to even know you if your spouse don't know God. Impossible. It's impossible for your spouse to love you if your spouse don't love God. Now, you may say, I'm actually do your spouse love God? Of course my spouse loves God. What's the evidence? If your spouse is carnal, your spouse do not love God, and your spouse cannot love you. Your spouse only can love you for what you give them. And that can be a number of things. That can be money. That can be sex. That can be fame. That can be fortune. That can be prestige. Uh, something. Or just a marriage to say, I, I got me somebody. It's impossible for a person to love anybody if they don't love God. Impossible. Because God is love. To love, you have to be a recipient of love. And I only can love God by, with his love. I cannot love him with my love because my love and your love is Adamic. It's polluted. It's demonic, our love. So therefore, I only can love God with the love that I receive from God. If I have not been a recipient of his love and experienced his love, I cannot give him love back. It's impossible. Is God love? Yes, because the Bible says God is love. Is Jesus love? He has to be. He's one with the Father. Is the Holy Spirit love? He got to be. He's one with the Son. And the Bible says in the book of Romans, there, chapter 5, and the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Shared about in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is the one that brings and, and ministers the love of God to me. For what reason? That I can love him back. But I only can love him back is by receiving his love. So therefore, what would be the enemy of God's love? Carnality. Self. Selfishness. Self-centeredness. Self-righteousness. Self-reliance. Self-protection, self-exaltation, self-importance, self-pity. Those are the enemies of God. They're the enemies of the love of God. So therefore, therefore, if I have not received love because my flesh won't let me receive love, because the Bible says a carnal mind is enmity against God, so if it cannot receive God, it can't receive his love, so therefore, I can confess Jesus coming to my life. This, 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 this is why we say we say, Jesus coming to my Lord. I repent. Jesus coming to my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Boom, I'm saved. Ladies and gentlemen, please. But that's what we are taught. I taught it too. But look at the lives. Look at look at our life. Look at our faith. Look at our trust. Look at our relationships. It takes more than that because that's a carnal confession. I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. How can you accept somebody that you don't know? Would you accept a stranger in your house that you don't know, never seen before? They come up to your door, let me in, have faith. Have faith? I don't know you. 
well, you don't have to know me, but don't you have faith? Yeah, I have faith, but not in you. I got faith in God, but I don't have faith in you because I don't know you. I know God, but I don't know you. So it's difficult to have faith in who you don't know, what you don't know. Are, are you getting this? Listen to this, if you will. Romans chapter 8, verse 13 through 15. It's amplified version. For if you live according to the dictates of the flesh, you will surely die. Now, watch this right here. I say I'm saved. But I'm living according to the dictates of the flesh. Then I'm a dead person. I'm dead to who? I'm dead to Christ and alive to myself. See, we have to make this thing practical, ladies and gentlemen. So if I'm living according to the dictates of my flesh, confessing to be saved, can I bring life to my marriage? Impossible. Can I bring life to my family? Impossible. Why? Because I am dead to God. So therefore, what I bring to the relationship is death. It's no life. Jesus said, I come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. Jesus said, I come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. Is Jesus in you? Well, let's say he is in you. He's in you through the person of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus come and live in my life according to, uh, through the person of the Holy Spirit, right? He's in your life uh, through the person of the Holy Spirit, right? Yes. Okay. Now, if that being true, Jesus is in you, Jesus is in me through the person of the Holy Spirit. I said, Jesus coming to my life, so I believe that I have Jesus in my life. Because I said, Jesus coming to my life. You said, Jesus coming to your life. So Jesus is in your life, Jesus is in my life. Now, how do I experience this Jesus? How do I get to experience and know this Jesus? What has God given me? What has God given you that is an a, a, a instrument or the capacity to know this Jesus? The Holy Spirit. Well, who's the greatest enemy of the, against the Holy Spirit? Is it Satan? Is it demons? No. Not, not according to Galatians 5. The greatest enemy against the Holy Spirit is my flesh. Me, EJ. EJ is the greatest enemy to the Holy Spirit. So if I'm carnal, fleshly, then I'm warring. My flesh is warring against the Holy Spirit. So though I could never get to know Jesus because the Holy Spirit cannot teach me Jesus because my flesh has this mantle, closed the door to the Holy Spirit. Are you getting this? Listen to this viewer. For if you live according to the dictates of the flesh, you will surely die. So is that written there just to be written there? Well, how many of us right now that's uh, uh, that's a part of this broadcast today by way of chat or by way of, of the line, how many of us right now is living in a state of death? But yet I say I got Jesus. Now who is he writing to? Is he writing to the church or is he writing to sinners? The church. He's writing to the church. So, so you mean to tell me I can 
have Jesus living on this side of me and still living in a state of death? Uh-huh. Because he's right into the church here. You accept him as your Lord and Savior. As, but he's not Lord and Savior. You accept him as, but he's not. Because the flesh will not let me experience salvation. The flesh will not let me experience the Lordship of Jesus. It's not going to let me because I'm my own Lord. I'm my own Savior. That's what the flesh does. It saves itself. It provides for itself. It takes care of itself. And the only way that Jesus can be Lord is I die to myself. only way Jesus can provide for me if I die to myself. The only way Jesus can care for me if I die to myself. You can't take care of you and Jesus take care of you. You can't protect you and Jesus protect you. You can't provide for you and Jesus provide for you. Because somebody going to get the glory, me or him. And flesh always, always seeks for the glory. Now, listen to this, if you will. Listen to this. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit, if through the power, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you are habitually, you are habitually putting to death, making extinct, deadening the evil deeds prompted by the body, you shall really and genuinely live forever. How? Only through the Holy Spirit. How? Only through the Holy Spirit. But why do you want the Holy Spirit? Speak in tongues. And we got more people that is more satanic and demonic in the church that speaks in tongues, ladies and gentlemen. Fleshly, carnal people speaks in tongues. And that you got to show us something. Can't be the Holy Spirit. It cannot be the Holy Spirit. Because the speaking in tongues is a communication. It is a, a language of the Spirit, your human spirit, but empowered by the Holy Spirit. What good is it if it doesn't bring change in my life? If it doesn't make me more spiritual than carnal? Listen to verse 14, if you will. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For all who are what? Led by the Spirit of God. Can you and I be led by the Spirit of God and be carnal? Impossible. Who fights the Holy Spirit? My carnal nature, my damnic nature, my self-life, my flesh life. But let's read it again. See, we have to make it practical because we got people will quote this scripture, preach this scripture, and it's not even real. Have never experienced being led by the Spirit of God. But yet, prophesy, lay hands on the sick, people get healed, and the people that get healed and the people that get in the Word is deceived because they think that you and I are spiritual because we prophesy an accurate word. Oh, we laid hands and people got healed. No. No. 
I got faith to get a word for you, but don't have faith to live by faith in God. Notice what it says again. For all who are led by the Spirit, can you be led by the Spirit and be in carnal? No, because my carnal nature is not going to allow me to be led by the Spirit. It's going to fight the Holy Spirit. The flesh wars against the Spirit, and the Spirit wars against the flesh. Galatians 5. So I will not be led by the Spirit. My Adamic nature will not let me be led by the Spirit of God. Then that means that if I'm not led by the Spirit of God, have not experienced being led by the Spirit of God, I have not experienced sonship. I have not experienced sonship. I can say all day long, I'm a son of God. I can say it all day long, but have never experienced it. Because the only way I can experience sonship is being led by the Spirit of God. As many who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. My carnal nature will not allow me. The only way I can be led by the Spirit of God is when I allow the Holy Spirit to put to death my carnal nature. I allow the Holy Spirit to put to death. And notice the Holy Spirit cannot put to death my carnal nature if I don't allow him, if I don't welcome him. And how do you do that? We have to make it practical. I got to say no. I got to say no when a thought comes into my mind. I got to say no to an action that I know that is not God. When I say the no, the Holy Spirit empowers me to resist it. When I say no, and you, and, and you know, it's a fight. Your flesh is going to fight you every step of the way. My flesh is going to fight me every step of the way. And see, I shared this with Panorama during, during this teaching on the anatomy of man. The thoughts into my, used to enter my mind concerning Dr. Brown. I had to fight. Fight! No, no, no. He's the man of God. He's the man that God assigned to my life. God has assigned me to him. God has assigned me to submit to this man. Then understand everything. That's how you fight. Have nothing to do with Dr. Brown. Have everything to do with what God says. God says. God says. And watch this right here. What am I doing when I'm doing that? I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to put the death, the dictates, cravings, and passions, and wills of my flesh by my fighting to obey God when I don't understand it. I'm fighting to obey God. I'm fighting to stay in this relationship, not because it looks promising. It really don't, but because you said it. I trust you, Father. I trust you, Father. Not Dr. Brown. I trust you, Father. I trust you, Jesus. That's how you resist the flesh. Allow the Holy Spirit to put it to death. Because you refuse to submit to how you feel. You refuse to submit to what you're seeing. You refuse to submit to what you're hearing. The only thing that matters is you told me to hang in there. The only thing that matters is I know you assigned me to this relationship. Are, are you getting this? 
The perfect example of this is knowing David and Saul. Everybody know. Everybody knew that God uh, anointed Saul as the first king. Then everybody got wind that God turned around and anointed David as king while Saul was still was still alive. David never touched Saul. He never touched him with his tongue, with his mouth. Not with his men, not outside of his men, because God God hears all conversation. He never touched it. He said, this is God's anointed. This is God's anointed. I will not sin by touching God's anointed. The man that's trying to kill him was God's anointed. So he wouldn't touch it. To touch God's anointed is to touch God. That was real to David. David trusted the Lord. David committed his life into the hands of God. And the only way David could do that was because God was real to David. God was real to David. David loved God. He ran and would not touch the anointed. Even though the anointed was demon-possessed, he wouldn't touch it. He wouldn't touch it. That's God's business. Whatever God do, I'm going to trust God. Are you getting this? Are you getting this? Let's look at, if you will, verse 15. For the spirit which you have now received is not a spirit of slavery to put you once more in bondage to fear, to put you in once more in bondage to fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption, the spirit producing sonship, the spirit producing sonship, in the bliss of which we cry, Abba, Father. Father. You can't even cry, Abba, Father, from your spirit, except through the person of the Holy Spirit. I can say it intellectually. I can say it from my position in my flesh, but I can never experience it. Never. Are you getting this, ladies and gentlemen? Now, this very important principles here. For the spirit which you have now received is not a spirit of slavery. Do you not understand every time you and I yield to our flesh, we enslave ourselves? If you're in bondage right now, in slavery right now, if you're in slavery to pornography, slavery to anger, slavery to murder, slavery to stealing, slavery to lying, slavery to fear, slavery to intellectualism, slavery to poverty, whatever you are a slave to, it's not about a revelation that the Holy Spirit is not involved. The Holy Spirit is not engaged. He's not involved. It's not involved. Because the scripture clearly says here, you and I have not received a spirit of slavery. 
to put us once more in bondage to fear. Fear is bondage. Fear is bondage. Are you afraid of God? Are you afraid of your pastor? Are you afraid of your next-door neighbor? Are you afraid of your brothers and sisters in the church? Are you afraid of your spouse? Are you afraid of your children? And everybody's going to say no. But we yet, once again, we lie to ourselves. We lie to ourselves. If I ask the average man, are you afraid of your wife? Of course not. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. You're afraid that if you be the man of God that God has ordained appointed on you to be, she's going she gonna to leave you. So you're going to compromise just to keep her. You'll compromise. Ladies compromise to keep their husbands, which cannot save them, which is their husband, but is not their Lord, not their Savior. They compromise to keep them. Men compromise to keep their spouses. Parents compromise to keep their children. Jesus is not Lord. He's not Lord. Because the reason a man would do that, he don't want to look like a failure. If I, if I uh, uh, lose my wife, I'm a failure. You're a failure anyway. Because you already lost her. She is living with you. But you done lost her. I can't compromise my relationship with you. Know, I love the Lord, but you know I don't want to lose my husband. You already lost him. The only person that can keep your marriage is Jesus. Not your spouse. Not you. Jesus. The only people that can, person that can keep your children is Jesus. The Bible says, except the Lord build the house. See, we think about church. Look at it in every area. Except the Lord build you. You that labor, you labor in vain. If God don't build you, all your fasting, all your prayer is in vain. Except the Lord build your marriage, then your marriage is in vain because you put all this effort into it. You're trying to make it happen by compromising. You have already lost it. The Lord is the builder of your marriage. I don't want to lose my children. And so, therefore, you know, I don't want to be, you know, hard on them. And I want my children to like me. You know, I don't want my children to be angry at me. You already lost them. You can't keep them. You can't sustain them. Only the God you submit to have access to your children through you, through your submission, through your obedience to him. Now he can, through you, save your children, rescue your children, protect your children. Are, are, are you getting this? See, everything I just described is carnality. We think carnally and do carnal things. And, 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 and to, to average person... It's logical. Let me finish this here. Let me give you some, some principles I begin to write down, similar to some of the principles I was sharing on last night. And the reason I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with this here is because I'm dealing with, I want to talk about deliverance. 
when I begin to look at the history of this church, I begin to look at my life, I begin to look at my wife's life, I begin to look at my children. When I came into the knowledge of deliverance, I see now that God has given me balance to it now. And I used to focus on it. I took uh, uh, a whole church through deliverance one time. I took the leadership through first. Uh, and I don't take a, have taken the leadership through several times. I used to take my family through once or twice a year. And I begin to look at this. Something's wrong. I remember when I came into the relationship with the gays, uh, that's their specialty, deliverance. When I came into a relationship with them, I used to send uh, people down there, uh, up there. I used to send married couples up there. I used to send uh, different leaders up there. Because I worked deliverance on it, on them and seemed like it just wasn't working. I would send married couples up there. I'd send individuals up there and when they come back, I noticed a difference. It only lasted between one to two weeks. Every person that ever sent there. Every person that I ever sent to get deliverance. And I didn't understand why. Something is wrong. Then I began to believe this here. And I've been going back and forth, back and forth with this thing. The Bible let us know that our souls is purged by obeying the truth. So it's not so much a deliverance as walking this thing out. But do I need to get it? No, no, I'm not discounting deliverance. Not at all. Because it's biblical. It's biblical. But what the problem has been, we have made deliverance a crutch. A crutch. We want deliverance, use deliverance as a quick fix because we don't want to work. We don't want to fight. We don't want to fight. When you get delivered, you're getting delivered, of the in, delivered from the influence of dem, demonic forces. Now, this is the thing. I'm going to ask a question. If someone is knocking at your door and they want to come in, now, the reason they're knocking at your door is because your door is closed and they don't have access to your home. they on the outside, you on the inside. Now, if they come in your house, why they're in your house, because what's keeping them outside of your house is your door. But if a stranger coming out, you open the door and say, sure, come on in. It's a stranger. You let them in. But you don't know that they're carrying a gun, a weapon. You don't, you don't know that. And they may say, uh, you know, I'm so-and-so. Is, is, is anybody here? They're going to ask you, yeah, my wife. Uh, 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 can I meet her? Hey, come over here. This gentleman... Uh, uh, this guy, he, he's in the neighborhood, and 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 uh, he's he, he's he's selling some things, and, and 
uh, uh, come on down. Let's see what he what he's selling. You come down, got the children up. He pull out his weapon. He pull out his weapon, tie you up, or bind you, and then he go in your refrigerator, see what you got there. Put some food in the microwave that's already been cooked, whatever the case may be. Sit down, turn the television on, but all of you all tied up and bound up. But if if you have kept him outside, it would have been very difficult for him to get inside to do that. So what are you saying here, preacher? That's how our lives are. No force of darkness can get into me unless I open up the door for the force to come in. The door has to be open. Anyone that is challenged with any kind of demonic activity, they have opened the door. And the enemy has come in. So I have to fight to keep the door closed. How many parents told you, don't, don't, if, if you leave your children there, I'm talking about adults, whatever case, do not open up the door for anyone. Some parents said, do not even answer the door. Don't answer the door. Don't say my parents is not. Don't even answer the door. Then my question, why are we always answering the door? Every time a demon knock on the door, why, why are we always answering the door? We don't scrutinize anything anyway. Just let the door open. Come on in. And as soon as the devil comes in, he, he binds you. He binds you. The only way that he can come in is through the medium of the flesh. Medium of the flesh. When I open up the door, he comes in. And he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Steal your peace. Steal your love for God. Steal your love for your spouse. Steal your love for your children. He come in to steal. Then he takes you hostage. And he induces fear upon you. That if you don't obey me, I will kill you. If you don't obey me, I'm going to kill your spouse, your children. So lie to him. Steal from them. Manipulate. Wreck havoc. I was uh, I was watching uh, one deliverance service uh, recently, and the man had uh, three uh, spirit wives in him. And the man of God said, "Come here." He said, "Please, sir. Please, sir." Paraphrasing, uh, don't, don't, uh, don't make me come because I just heard this voice in me, and she said, "If I take another step, she's going to kill me." One of the spirit wives said in the man. Then he said, paraphrasing, I command you to come. And the man came. That spirit wife did not want to come out of the house. Manipulated their way in the house. And now they're in the presence of one that is stronger than them that's in the man's house. They didn't want to come out. But all three of them spirit wives came out. Set that man free. 
But this is the problem even when it comes down to deliverance. Getting delivered does not guarantee you freedom. And so what do you mean, preacher? Because you can get delivered. But the same door that was open let them in. If you don't close that door, I know what door it was that you opened. It's come, they're coming back. And I've seen this in Panorama. Over and over and over and over. So principle number one, the key for complete deliverance is just one thing, and that is death. Bottom line, when a person dies, he or she will be completely delivered. When we die to ourselves, I guarantee you, we won't have to have a conversation about demonic activity. We won't have to have a conversation about spiritual wives and spiritual husbands. We will not have to have a conversation about lying demons, lustful demons, or whatever other kind of demon. We will not have to have this conversation. When I make up my mind that I am going to fight with everything in me to yield to the Holy Spirit and to allow the Holy Spirit to mortify, according to the book of Romans, to mortify the dictates, cravings, and passion and wills of my flesh. I make up my mind, and I'm going to pray, Father, give me a holy hatred against my flesh. Grace me to hate my flesh. Grace me to hate my Adamic nature. Until I get aggressive like that, it ain't going to happen. You are not, and I will not experience complete deliverance because what am I doing? I'm asking God, the Holy Spirit, to guard the door. I yield to him. I'm the one that's been opening up the door. I have not allowed you to open up the door. So when them demons knock at the door, if the Holy Spirit opens, they running. They're going to run. They ain't coming. They, they don't want to come in. Because they come in, they know where the Holy Spirit lives. They know the Holy Spirit lives in your human spirit. So what they're going to do, they're going to come in the door of the flesh and lock the door of the spirit, your human spirit. So the Holy Spirit is locked out, and they have locked themselves in. <laughs> These demons is, is something else. But if I have allowed the Holy Spirit to open up the door, they would have fled in the presence of God. Them forces would fled, and the only way that the Holy Spirit can open the door is I submit, yield, and surrender, and cease to operate independently of him. I no longer care about EJ. I care about him, and let him care about me. You can't love, you can't have two masters. You're going to love the one or hate the other. Either you're going to love yourself as a master and hate the Holy Spirit, or you're going to love the Holy Spirit and hate yourself. Why not hate yourself? Because your flesh ain't no good no way. It can't, it can't produce nothing. It can't accomplish nothing. 
It can't. I mean, only thing your flesh can produce is death. It can't. It can't. It can't love. It 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 can't get along with nobody. So why would you love something that it's no good? It's not beneficial. It can't. It, it's not even beneficial to you. It can't be. It can't be beneficial to your spouse, your children, nobody. Your flesh is no good to nobody because God has uh, stamped condemnation on it. God has placed his disapproval on the flesh. It, it's, it can't do anything. The Bible says flesh and blood cannot enter the kingdom of God. It can't enter the kingdom of God. It ain't going to heaven. Your flesh, my flesh, is not going to heaven. So I was go ahead and lie die. Principle number two. When the flesh dies, complete deliverance comes. When the flesh dies, complete deliverance comes. Why? Because when the flesh dies, then the Holy Spirit comes. The flesh wars against the spirit, and the spirit wars against the flesh. So when I make a decision to die to my will, to die to the desires and the passions of my flesh, then the Holy Spirit comes and delivers. He the one that nailed my flesh to the cross even the cross of Jesus. So when I want to when I want to uh stand up for my rights, tell your flesh, shut up. When you want to have the last word like the majority of wives do, shut up. Tell your stinking flesh, I'm going to be quiet. You're not going to rule me. You're not going to have the last word. Jesus is going to have the last word. That's how you have to fight. You have to fight. But we don't want to fight. Principle number three. Until we deal with the evil capacity within each of us human beings called the flesh, that's the evil capacity, making it spiritually will be impossible. Making your flesh spiritual is impossible. Possible is what? Impossible. It is impossible for me to save my flesh, for your flesh to be saved. Impossible. But we try to save it. We try to protect it. We try to love it. And it turns on you every time. Every time it turns on you. Every time it turns Every time I love my flesh, it turns on me. Every time I try to protect my, fa- my flesh, it turns on me. That's what Paul meant in Romans chapter 7. The things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. What I uh, 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 want to do, I find myself not doing what I want to do. Your flesh is going to turn on you. It's an enemy. It don't love you. It hates you. If anybody ever uh, been through deliverance session or seen people been delivered and the demons start talking out of them, the first thing that they always say, uh, I ruined his life. I made his life zero. Why would you want to be a friend of somebody that's going to make your life zero? Why would you want to be a friend of somebody that only thing they're thinking about is destroying you? Demons, that's their job. They hate us. They want to destroy us. But why would we welcome them in the door? Then the flesh. The flesh, Paul said, there's no good thing that dwells in the flesh. Jesus even said it. He says the flesh profiteth nothing. The flesh Profiteth nothing. 
The flesh cannot benefit. The flesh cannot profit. It can't help you. It cannot help me. It cannot aid us. It can do nothing. But we love it. We protect it. We shield it. We stroke our flesh. That's insanity, isn't it? That is absolutely insanity. Evidently, the word of God is not real to us. And the Bible tells us that our flesh is no good. Our damned nature is no good. But we, we, we stroke it. We pamper it. We protect it. That's what offensive is. When you get offended, you, you just protected the flesh. When you get corrected and you get uh, uh, angry when you get corrected, you just protected your flesh. You're more loyal to the flesh than you are God. Are you hearing the Holy Spirit today? Every time you lie, you you, you are attempting to deceive God and protect your flesh, which is protecting Satan. It's no difference. Are you getting something today? To try to make the flesh spiritual, it is absolutely impossible. And it's what we try to do. If I can just read the Bible, you read in the flesh. If I just pray, you can pray in the flesh. If I just join a church, you can join a church in the flesh. Or if I can just join the choir, you can sing in the flesh. And it's profiting you nothing. Singing, and you still got attitude. Easy to get attitudes. But you feel good because I'm doing spiritual things. The flesh lies to you and tells you everything is going to be all right. You're going to make it because you joined the church. You want to make it because you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now you accept Him, but you know you got to. I got to be Lord. You accept Him as your Lord and Savior, but. As long as you continue to make me Lord, you're going to be okay. That flesh is so deceptive. It's a manipulator. It's a liar. How many people, think about it, how many couples that is on this broadcast today, how many of you that is married and you go to bed with the enemy every night? You go to bed with the enemy every night. You say, what do you mean? My spouse is not the enemy. I'm talking about the spirits that your spouse is housing. The spirits that has entered into the house. I'm talking about the flesh that is not crucified. The Bible says a carnal mind is enmity against God. It's an enemy. The flesh is an enemy. So how many go to bed with the enemy? Have sex with the enemy. Can you imagine this right here, which you don't realize and understand? If your spouse has demonic forces on the inside of them, and when you have a sexual relationship with your spouse, do you not know and realize that you're engaging with forces of darkness? I know you probably never thought about it. And that shows you how much love your spouse have for you because what they're doing, they're handing you over into the hands of these forces of darkness. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Delilah, Delilah 
and the Philistines. Samson, show me your strength. And she only wanted to know the strength of Samson so she can deliver Samson into the hands of, of the Philistines. How many spouses do the same thing? Handing your spouse over to the hands of demons. Discovering your strength and telling the enemy what your strength is. Now that were ministers there, never thought about it that way, but this is the Spirit of God talking today. This is good stuff. Seems like my time is up. Maybe we'll continue this next week, maybe. We'll see what the Lord says. But this is one probably one of the most important things. When I started to teach on the anatomy of man, I shared this is probably the most important series I have ever done since I've been saved. Because this helps us to understand the function of our spirit, soul, and our body. And the greatest enemy in the world is a carnal person, not a sinner, but a carnal person. Because a carnal person, what makes them dangerous, they have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but still live like the sinner. They're still dominated by the dictates, cravings, and passion, and wills of their flesh. That's what makes the carnal Christian so dangerous. You can say you save all you want to, but if you carnal, you will betray anybody. You will betray. You can't trust your flesh. You will betray your daddy, your mama, your brother, your sister, your niece, uncle, and aunt. And if you're especially dominated by money, and that's the one thing that you hear me talk about money a lot, because if you don't get free from that, if you don't get free from that, you will destroy every relation. You, you, you will never know to be loyal. You can't be loyal if you're not free from money. You cannot be loyal. Either going to love the one or hate the other. It's impossible. Impossible. And a lot of people that I know, and, 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 and they call themselves givers, they give them to be seen. They, give, they, they don't give because they are givers and, and because God has purged their hearts from idolatry, from, from money. They give to be seen by men. And that's their reward. They don't realize and understand that. Nobody knows how to be loyal. Dedicated, committed. You can't love the one and hate the other. Ladies and my time has been up over two minutes now. This has been your host. We pray that you got something that you can take and you can begin to build your relationship with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and build your relationship with your spouse. But none of this will never work until you and I come to the place that we hate our flesh. We make a decision that this is, this is it. This is it. I'm no longer going to yield to my flesh. I'm going to yield to the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to put the end to my flesh so I can live in the Spirit and bring glory to the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and I can become a spiritual man, a spiritual uh, uh, spouse, a spiritual parent. Ladies and gentlemen, this is how it works. Let's not just hear this today. Let's work it today. Let's work it. Ask the Holy Spirit, show me. Show me the areas I need to. And you don't have to ask the Holy Spirit. We already know. But ask Him to help you to do this thing. We love you. Thank God for you. We're praying with you, and I pray that you'll continue to pray with me. None of us is exempt from this thing. Let's pray for one another, that God will grace us all to come to the end of ourselves by willing to die to ourselves, our desires, our will, our passions, our everything, that we want the Lord's and the Lord's only. Let's do that for one another. 
This has been your host, Dr. DJ McKenzie with the Master's Key. God bless you. Until Saturday, we pray that the rest of your day and week will be blessed. So have a midweek service and let your midweek service be uh, uh, blessed and powerful uh, tonight. God bless you. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.